This is a Federal News Network podcast. The National Geospatial Intelligence Agency is building tighter relationships with commercial space companies by using the same kind of legal agreement you might enter into when you leave your car in a paid lot. So-called bailment agreements give NGA a chance to test a company's product and provide some feedback. For more, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday spoke with NGA's Director of Commercial and Business Operations, Dave Gauthier. A bailment agreement is probably not a new type of vehicle, but it is it is rather new for us as an intelligence agency to be using it and uh, in the government. We found ourselves in a quandary a couple of years ago where we wanted to partner early and often with smaller companies who might be starting up geospatial businesses. And we wanted to both understand what capabilities they were bringing to market, but also help guide them in what our needs would be and how they should maybe productize their offerings to best meet government needs. And so we tried to do traditional contracts, but those are often onerous and and take a lot more oversight and care in how you set them up. So it seemed to be too much time for the effort at what we were trying to accomplish. And so we discovered the concept of a bailment agreement. And really, this is a legal agreement that's the process of transferring personal property or assets into the temporary custody of of another person or organization. And so it's this idea of a temporary transfer of possession, but not ownership. And bailment agreements can be very simple. Uh, They can benefit both parties or or only one party. Uh, And our organization now sets up bailment agreements to benefit both parties. And it's it's simply we, we ask for temporary use or possession of a commercial capability so that we can evaluate its mission utility in our operational settings. And then we provide that feedback to the company so they can either update or improve their capabilities should they choose to do so, uh, while at the same time, we document what we learned about that product or that offering from the company in a, d- a database for U.S. government use that you know basically highlights it's in our catalog. We understand what this capability can do. We've tried it. Uh, should other people be interested in purchasing it through a contract effort? So as you mentioned, bailment agreements are kind of new to government. But one of the more common examples of a classic bailment agreement is when you pay to leave your car in a parking lot, a paid parking lot, and the owner of that parking lot is now on tap to temporarily take care of your car. So what's an example of how a bailment agreement is now working for NGA? So uh, for the example of an imagery provider, the small satellite market for commercial synthetic aperture radar is relatively nascent and immature, and a number of companies are getting into the business, and they have investment funding to build satellites and launch them into constellations to provide radar imagery to you know any customer, including the U.S. government. So because there's a number of companies competing in this space, we really want to talk to them early. And about the time they get their first demonstration satellite on orbit, we w- would like to take possession of some of the early imagery from those systems so that we can measure its quality and its performance characteristics, and then also apply that imagery to some of our mission problems and get it in front of analysts and see how they might be able to use it across a number of mission cases. And so at the same time, we need to take possession of some of their company proprietary information about you know, what their ultimate constellation would look like, what the orbital parameters might be, so that we can help model out what a full operating constellation could provide to us in terms of capability. Some of the way we've been using the bailment agreement is for 90 or 120 days, 
some temporary amount of time, learn as much as we can about what the company will do at full operating capability while having possession of some of their initial imagery or data so that we can put it through its paces in our mission space and then understand what it will do for us long-term and provide that information to U.S. government users. What happens at the end of the, this temporary agreement typically at NGA? You know, you have to give them their car back. What does that look like for NGA? <laughs> uh, yes, we absolutely give them their car back. However, in the setup of a bailment agreement, you can have license rights negotiated into that. So for some of the imagery we may take, we may actually be allowed to continue using that imagery after the bailment agreement is over. It all depends on what the agreement uh, stipulated as we set it up. But for the most part, we stop evaluating and we then document what we learned and provide that to our catalog, to our users. We provide the feedback of what we learned to the company so they can make any business decisions they want to make going forward. And this obviously allows NGA to kind of help shape that nascent market, right, in a way that perhaps you couldn't do before? Yes. In some cases, as the small satellite industry was just taking off, many companies coming out of Silicon Valley were focused on speed, being first to market, not necessarily thinking through some of the long-term implications of what their data could provide and who they could sell to. And so early on, we noticed there were some potential concerns with cybersecurity and other things. And we like to get with the companies early and say, here are things we expect. If you eventually want to compete for a government contract, these are things that might be important for you to look at now, early in your design phase, while you're creating your business cases to help them posture themselves in a way that makes them uh, much more attractive to the government down the road. How effective has this approach been? I don't know if you can put any numbers to it. Is this working for the companies you're working with? Is it working for NGA? What's kind of the status right now? So it's still a little bit early to tell, but I did gather some numbers. We started out really just trying to do this in fiscal year 2019, and we did three bailment agreements that year. But one of those three did eventually end up being a company that was on a subcontract for us to actually fund their work. Transition to 2020, uh, we did five bailment agreements in 2020. And again, one of those ended up being on a prime contract for a service that we now purchased. We've purchased for two years in a row. This year, we turned up the volume, I think, on how we want to do this because we see it working. And so in fiscal year 2021, we're planning to do 15 to 20 bailment agreements over this year. And you know, already two of them have turned into funded contracts for our government use. We are are seeing the benefits. Uh, more companies are approaching us and asking to be part of this program, and we're trying to scale up as we go. I also wanted to ask about the competitive aspect of this, because I think back to kind of the situation when the Defense Department started expanding its use of other transaction agreements and, and the prototyping OTAs there, and they ran into some problems with trying to transition from prototypes to production vehicles. But of course, companies who are left out are potentially going to raise competitive issues. Have you run into any issues there? Are you anticipating that? And, and how might you get around that? Well, there, there's no way to get around some of the, I would say, delays or you know hurdles that the government has in eventually putting a contract in place because of the competitive processes and whatnot. We are upfront, honestly, telling the companies that the bailment agreement is the first step on a path, and that gets them, quote unquote, in the door 
and starts their relationship on these products and services with us. And then from there, you know, it's growth and they need to be able to self-sustain for quite some time before we may come back around and put an RFP on the street or something else for a competitive service or contract that we want. There's no expectation that they launch right from a bailment agreement into paid work. We're being very transparent up front with them that this is the first step on a path and it may take some time before you are able to compete for government work. And when you compete, it's no guarantee you win, but this helps them with putting their best foot forward, especially for these smaller companies, I think gives them an opportunity to compete where they might not otherwise do so. Dave Gauthier, Director of Commercial and Business Operations at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Check out Justin's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, 
We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. 
and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.